0: Lorna Doone, Chapter 10 A Brave Rescue and a Rough Ride It happened upon a November evening when I was about 15 years old and outgrowing my strength very rapidly, my sister Annie being turned 13 and a great deal of rain having fallen and all the troughs in the yard being flooded And the bark from the wood ricks washed down the gutters and even our water shoot going brown that the ducks in the court made a terrible quacking instead of marching off to their pen one behind the other thereupon annie and i ran out to see what might be the sense of it there were 13 ducks and 10 lily white as the fashion does then of ducks was not i mean without being nice about their colour. They all quacked very movingly. They pushed their gold-coloured bills here and there, yet dirty as gold is apt to be. And they jumped on the triangles of their feet and sounded out of their nostrils. And some of the overexcited ones ran along the low on the ground, quacking grievously, with their bills snapping and bending, and the roof of their mouths exhibited. Annie began to cry, Dilly, dilly, eeny, eeny, ducksy, according to the burden of the tune they seemed to have accepted as the National Duck's Anthem. But instead of being soothed by it, they only quacked three times as hard and ran round until we were giddy. And then they shook their tails all together and looked grave and went round and round again. Now I am uncommonly fond of ducks, whether roistering, roosting or roasted. And it is a fine sight to behold them walk, puddling one after the other, their toes out like soldiers drilling and their little eyes cocked always at once and the way that they did with their bills and dabble and throw up their heads and enjoy something and then tell the others about it. Therefore, I knew at once, by the way they were carrying on, that there must be something or other gone wholly amiss in the duck world. Sister Annie perceived it too, but with a great quickness, for she counted them like a good duck wife, and could only tell 13 of them, when she knew there ought to be 14. And so we began to search about, and the ducks ran to lead us aright, having come that far to fetch us. And when we got down to the foot of the courtyard, where the two great ash trees stand by the side of the little water, we found good, good reason for that urgence and melancholy of the duck birds. Lo, the old white drake, the father of all, a bird of high manners and chivalry, always the last to help himself from the pan of barley meal and the first to show fight to a dog or cock intruding upon his family, this fine fellow and pillar of the state was now in a very sad predicament, yet quacking very stoutly. For the brook wherewith he had been familiar from his callow childhood and wherein he was wont to quest for water newts and tadpoles and caddis worms and other game, this brook, which afforded him very often scanty space to dabble in and sometimes starved the cresses, was now coming down in a great brown flood as if the banks never belonged to it. The foaming of it, and the noise, and the cresting of the corners, and the up and down like a wave of the sea, were enough to frighten any duck, though bred upon stormy waters, which our ducks never had been. There is always a hurdle, nine feet long and four and a half in depth, swung by a chain at either end from an oak glade across the channel. And the use of this hurdle is to keep our kin at milking time from staying away there drinking, for in truth they are very dainty, and to fence strange cattle or farmer snow's horses from coming along the bed of this brook unknown to steal our substance. But now this hurdle which hung in the summer a foot above the trickle would have been dipped more than two feet deep but for the power against it. For the torrent came down so vehemently that the chains at full stretch were creaking and the hurdle buffeted almost flat and thatched, so to say, with the drift stuff, was going seesaw with a sulky splash on the dirty red comb of the waters. But saddest to see was between the two bars where a fog was of rushes and floodwood and wild celery holm and dead crow's foot. Who but our venerable Mallard, jammed in by the joint of his shoulder, speaking aloud as he rose and fell with his topknot full of water, unable to comprehend it, with his tail washed far away from him, but often compelled to be silent, being ducked "'very harshly against his will "'by the choking fall-to of the urdle. "'For a moment I could scarce help laughing, "'because, being borne up high and dry "'by the tumult of the torrent, "'he gave me a look from his one little eye, "'having lost one in a fight with the turkey-cock, "'a gaze of appealing sorrow, "'and then a loud quack to second it. "'But the quack came out of time, I suppose.' for his throat got filled with water, and as the hurdle carried him back again, and then there was scarcely the screw of his tail to be seen, until he swung up again, and left small doubt by the way he spluttered, and failed to quack, and hung down by his poor crest, but that drown he must in another minute, and frogs triumph over his body. Annie was crying and wringing her hands and I was about to rush into the water though I liked not the look of it but hoped to hold on to the hurdle when a man on horseback came suddenly round the corner of the great ash hedge on the other side of the stream and his horse's feet were in the water. Ho there, he cried. Get thee back, boy. The flood will carry thee down like a straw. I will do it for thee and no trouble. With that... He leaned forward and spoke to his mare. She was just of the tint of a strawberry, a young thing, very beautiful. And she arched up her neck as misliking the job, yet trusting him would attempt it. She entered the flood with her dainty forelegs sloped further and further in front of her and her delicate ears pricked forward and the size of her great eyes increasing. But he kept her straight in the turbid rush, by the pressure of his knee on her. Then she looked back, and wondered at him, at the force of the torrent grew stronger. But he bade her go on, and on she went, and it foamed up over her shoulders, and she tossed up her lip and scorned it. For now, her courage was waking. Then, as the rush of it swept her away and she struck with her forefeet down the stream, he leaned from his saddle, in a manner of which I could never have thought possible, and caught up old Tom with his left hand and set him between his holsters and smiled at his faint quack of gratitude. In a moment, all three were carried downstream and the rider lay flat on his horse, and tossed the hurdle clear from him, and made for the bend of smooth water. They landed some thirty or forty yards lower, in the midst of our kitchen garden, where the winter cabbage was. But though Annie and I crept in through the hedge, and were full of our thanks and admiring him, he would answer us never a word, until he had spoken in full to the mare, as if explaining the whole to her. "'Sweetheart, I know thou couldst have leapt it,' he said, as he patted her cheek, being on the ground by this time, and she was nudging up to him, with the water patting her off from her. "'But I had good reason, Winnie dear, for making thee go through it.' She answered him kindly, with her soft eyes, and sniffed at him very lovingly, and they understood each other. Then he took from his waistcoat two peppercorns and made the old drake swallow them and tried him softly upon his legs where the leading gap of the hedge was. Old Tom stood up quite bravely and clapped his wings and shook off the wet from his tail feathers and then away into the courtyard and his family gathered around him and they all made a noise in their throats and stood up and put their bills together to thank God for this great deliverance. Having taken all this trouble and watched the end of that adventure, the gentleman turned round to us with a pleasant smile on his face, as if he were lightly amused with himself. And We came up and looked at him. He was rather short, about John Fry's height, or maybe a little taller, but very strongly built and springy, as his gait at every step showed plainly, though his legs were bowed with much riding, and he looked as if he lived on horseback. To a boy like me, he seemed very old, being over twenty, and well found in beard. But he was not more than four and twenty, fresh and ruddy looking, with a short nose and keen blue eyes, and a merry, waggish jerk about him, as if the world were not in earnest. Yet he had a sharp, stern way, like the crack of a pistol, if anything misliked him. And we knew, for children see such things, that it was safer to tickle than tackle him. Well, young uns, what be gaping at? He gave pretty Annie a chuck on the chin and took me all in without winking. Your mare, said I. "'standing stoutly up, being a tall boy now, "'I never saw such a beauty, sir. "'Will you let me have a ride of her?' "'Thinkst thou could ride her, lad? "'She will have no burden but mine. "'Thou couldst never ride her. "'Tut, I would be loath to kill thee.' "'Ride her!' I cried with the bravest scorn, "'for she looked so kind and gentle.' There was never a horse on Exmoor fold, but that I could tackle in half an hour. Only I never ride on saddle. Take them leathers off her. He looked at me with a dry little whistle and thrust his hands into his breeches' pockets and so grinned that I could not stand it. And Annie laid hold of me in such a way that I was almost mad with her. And he laughed. "'and approved of her for doing so. "'And the worst of all was, he said nothing. "'Get away, honey, will you? "'Do you think I'm a fool, good sir? "'Only trust me with her, and I will not override her. "'For that I will go bail, my son. "'She is likely to override thee. "'But the ground is soft to fall upon after all this rain. "'Now come out into the yard, young man.' And for the sake of your ma- mother's cabbages, and the mellow straw bread will be softer for thee, since pride must have its fall. I am my mother's cousin, boy, and going up to house. Tom Faggus is my name, as everybody knows, and this is my young mare, Winnie. What a fool I must have been not to know it at once! Tom Faggus, the great highwayman, and his young blood mare, the strawberry. Already her fame was noised abroad nearly as much as her master's, and my longing to ride her grew tenfold, but fear came at the back of it. Not that I had the smallest fear of what the mare could do to me, by fair play and horse trickery, but that the glory of sitting upon her seemed to me too great for me, especially as there were rumours abroad that she was not a mare after all, but a witch. However, she looked like a felly all over, and wonderfully beautiful, with her supple stride and soft slope of the shoulder, and glossy coat beaded with water, and prominent eyes full of love, of fire whether this came from her eastern blood of the arabs newly imported and whether the cream color mixed with our bay led to that bright strawberry tint is certainly more than i can decide being chiefly acquainted with farm horses and these come of any color color and form you can never count where they will be and are lucky to get four legs to them mr faggus gave his mare a wink and she walked demurely after him a bright young thing flowing over with life yet dropping her soul to a higher one and led by love to anything as the manner is of females when they know what is the best for them then Winnie trod lightly upon the straw because it had soft muck under it and her delicate feet came back again "'Up for it still, boy, be ye?' "'Tom Faggus stopped, and the mare stopped there, "'and they looked at me provokingly. "'Is she able to leap, sir? "'There is good take-off on this side of the brook.' "'Mr Faggus laughed very quietly, "'turning round to Winnie, so that she might enter into it, "'and she, for her part, seemed to know exactly where the joke was. "'Good tumble-off, you mean, my boy,' Well, there can be small arm to thee, I am akin to thy family, and know the substance of their skulls. Let me get up, I said, waxing wroth, for reasons I cannot tell you, because they are too manifold. Take off your saddlebag things, I will not try to squeeze her ribs in, unless she plays nonsense with me. Then Mr Faggus was up at his mettle at this proud speech of mine and John Fry was running all the while and Bill Dads and half a dozen. Tom Faggus gave one glance around and then dropped all regard for me. The high repute of his mare was at stake and what was my life compared to it? Through my defiance and stupid ways, here was I in a dueload and my legs not come to their strength yet, and my arms as limp as heron. Some of this occurred to him, even in his wrath with me, for he spoke very softly to the filly, who could now scarce subdue herself. But she drew in her nostrils and breathed to his breath, and did all she could to answer him. Not too hard, my dear, he said. Let him gently down on the mixen. That will be quite enough. Then he turned the saddle off and i was up in a moment she began at first so easily and pricked her ears so lovingly and minced about as if pleased to find so light a weight on her that i thought she knew i could ride a little and feared to show any capers gee wug polly cried i all the men were now looking on Being then at the leaving off time, gee-wug, Polly, and show what thou beast made of. With that, I plugged my heels into her and Billy Dads flung his hat up. Nevertheless, she outraged not, though her eyes were frightening Annie and John Fry took a pick to keep him safe, but she curbed to and fro with her strong forearms rising like springs ingathered, waiting and quivering grievously and beginning to sweat about it. Then her master gave a shrill, clear whistle when her ears were bent towards him and I felt her form beneath me gathering up like whalebone and her hind legs coming up under her and I knew that I was in for it. First, she reared upright in the air "'and struck me full on the nose with her comb "'till I bled worse than Robin Snell made me, "'and then down on her forefeet deep in the straw "'and her hind feet going to heaven, "'finding me stick to her still like wax, "'for my metal was as up as hers was. "'Away she flew with me, "'swifter than ever I went before or since I trow. "'She drove full head at the cob wall, Oh, Jack, slip off, screamed Annie. Then she turned like light when I thought to crush her and ground my left knee against it. Mocks me, I cried, for my breeches were broken and short words went the furthest. If you kill me, you shall die with me. Then she took the courtyard gate at a leap, knocking my words between my teeth, then right over a said hedge as if the sky were abreast to her, and away for the water meadows, while I lay on her neck like a child at the breast, and wished I had never been born. Straight away, in all the front of the wind and scattering clouds around her, all I knew of the speed we made was the frightful flash of her shoulders, and our mane like trees in a tempest. I felt the earth under us rushing away, and the air left far behind us. My breath came and went, and I prayed to God, and was sorry to be so late of it. All the long, swift while, without power of thought, I clung to her crest and shoulders, and dug my nails into her creases, and my toes into her flank part and was proud of holding on so long, though sure of being beaten. Then, in her fury at feeling me still, she rushed at another device for it, and lit- leapt the wide winter water trough straight across to and fro, till no breath was left in me. The hazel boughs took me too hard in the face, and the tall dog briars got hold of me, and the ache in my back was like crimping a fish, till I longed to give up and lay thoroughly beaten and lie there and die in the cresses. But there came a shrill whistle from up the whole mill where people had hurried to watch us and the mare stopped as if with a bullet and then set off for home with the speed of a swallow and going as smoothly and silently. I had never dreamed of such delicate motion Fluent and graceful and ambient, soft as the breeze flitting over the flowers, but swift as the summer lightning. I sat up again, but my strength was all spent and no time left to recover it. And at last, as she rose at our gate like a bird, I tumbled off into the mixon.